guys. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike, and thanks for joining us for this episode of Amateur All Tours. You can follow us on Twitter at All Tours Pod. You can email us with any questions, comments, or concerns at the Amateur All Tours Podcast at gmail.com. And it would also mean a lot to both me, Jake, me, and Brian, really anyone, that if you could leave a rating, like, review on whatever platform of the show you listen to on, it, it, would, it would mean a lot if we could just get, get that feedback and just hear your thoughts. Uh, but anyway, yeah, thanks for joining us. Jake, welcome back for another episode of our MCU Exploration. Happy to be here, Mike. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, I guess I'm doing an okay job if you keep bringing me back. So it's a good now sign you're, all around. <laughs> you're, you're doing uh, way more than an okay job, Jake. So um, <laughs> thank you. Definitely want you. I, I want it, even so. I mean, we talked about it off air, but I want to keep having you back after we're done the MCU stuff, whether that's more comic book stuff or you know more movie stuff. You know, either way, you're you're I, you're here to stay, Jake. I'm you're, in. Good. Yeah, you are a co-host. Suck it, shell. <laughs> yeah oh yeah if he's listening J- jake shell if you're out there i love you buddy don't worry <laughs> but uh but still we're continuing our next step in the mcu chronological universe and today we have a, a little bit of a palate cleanser with iron man 2 uh for those of you who did not listen to our last episode with captain marvel uh we we i, I won't give all my thoughts away again you can listen to the episode if you want them but uh, I was a little disappointed in that movie, but I, I I am glad that we are returning to something a little bit more familiar and that I am more confident that I will enjoy this a little bit more. Even if it's just watching Robert Downey Jr. chew up scenery, I'm like, I'm excited <laughs> for that at least. Just going off of that really quick, it would be very interesting to see how, because I mean, watching them in chronological order versus release order um, you know, it, it's two different vibes. So, you know, I, a lot of your issue, or maybe, you know, maybe, maybe not. I wonder if some of your same issues would persist with Captain Marvel um, had you watched them as they came out. So you kind of had a little more of a build up to her and knew what she was about more so. Um, you know, that's this is a whole topic for another episode one day. But just as you say that, I'm like, huh, I wonder, you know, what the effect it has on a viewer watching them in order versus release order. Um, but again, topic for another day. And, and it is an interesting point too, because I think, I don't remember if we talked about this on uh, air or if we talked about it off mic, but what, and, and if we, I've already said this, I apologize, but it's, it's something to reiterate, especially as we're going through the MCU in this order, the chronological order is that, a lot of the like yes it's very clear that there was a plan from iron man to endgame like there was a plan but it's interesting because i don't know if the if the producers if the makers of these films are saying to like it they are saying we should watch these in chronological order in a similar way that george lucas has been saying watch the uh you have like essentially george lucas says that you should watch star wars from episode one to episode six or you know in order of the order of the episodes now what the issue with george lucas is that the prequels go off the assumption that you've seen the original trilogy and that you are a fan of this of this saga of the story of star wars because if you just start with episode one the phantom menace you would and you and you have never seen any star Wars. you didn't know what the force was you know with the jedis who they were what any of the lore of that universe was you would be confused right off the bat because there is no explanation of anything you know in the beginning of the for- of the phantom menace 
you know, we have, oh, the, the Jedi's, they're, they're, they're settling trade disputes and they go in and they whip out their lightsabers and they're doing all this, these Jedi tricks and force powers, but there's no explanation in context of what the force is. So you don't understand what's going on. But if you had seen the original trilogy, you understand at least who the Jedi are, what the force is, what all, you have the context to these people and kind of the, uh, an idea of the history behind there. And what I'm trying to get at is, is this something like the MCU where, okay, like they do have a plan, but like what we were mentioning with Captain Marvel, like I don't have that context of like who she is, what's her significance, uh, like even just like what the Tesseract with all the powers, <laughs> the, the, just the expansive universe that is in, like, that it just goes beyond Earth. Like, is this, what's the impact? Is it negative? Is it positive? Is it neutral? Like what, what is the impact that it's having on literally the newbie right, going right. from chronological order? So I think that's an interesting idea that we can continue to tread upon as we go through this journey together absolutely and i think kind of as this whole series evolves as well i mean i'd have i don't have it pulled up in front of me but i think in the beginning it's a little bit more of a bumpy start in terms of oh you need to watch this movie which came out five years later which technically plugs in here versus this and you know so on and so forth i think as the phases kind of get rolling things kind of start to line up a little more evenly instead of, you know, having Captain Marvel jump over every single movie to go back to the beginning. It's only one or two jumps here and there. So things kind of end up, the release order ends up matching chronological order a little bit more closely as we get deeper into this. Um, Again, I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but based on my memory, I think it'll even out a little, uh, much more as we keep going. But it's still, like you said, uh, it's an interesting thing to, as we keep rolling along, poke back in and say, you know, how is this method working for you versus versus me? Mm-hmm, exactly. And so with that being said, let, let's try and get in, we'll get into Iron Man 2. So Jake, as I've been saying and starting each of our conversations, where were you when Iron Man 2 came out? Were you just as excited when this film came out? Because this, in so in the order of, uh, releases, you know, from, you know, sequential, not sequential order, but, you know, in the timeline of our world, uh, it was Iron Man and then, uh, I guess the Hulk with Edward and then this, and now this. So you're in that beginning phase of still being excited about these movies. And it's like, Oh, Iron Man two, the sequel to that mega successful, (laughs) awesome movie. That was a few years ago. Let, what, what, let's go. So where were you when Iron Man two came out, Jake? So yes, uh, Iron Man came out. I was in eighth grade. Iron Man 2 came out. I was a sophomore in high school. And this, um, you know, as you just pointed out, we had Iron Man, Hulk, Iron Man 2. And up until this movie, you still, I mean, unless you really were reading up on things and were super into this, you, I don't think the common, you know, average moviegoer or the, you know, the newbie fan to this franchise really knew what was coming around the bend. It just seemed like at the time, like, oh, they made an Iron Man. That movie was dope. I hope they make another one. Um, you had Hulk come out in the middle, which we'll end up doing shortly. Um, and then it's like this movie comes out and you're like, oh, the first one was awesome. Like, I can't wait to see what's going to happen in this one. Still with no idea 
what's coming in the pipeline because all we got at the end of Iron Man was Nick Fury showing up saying, I want to talk to you about the Avengers initiative or whatever he said. And you, you know, unless you were a super mega fanboy fangirl, you didn't know what that meant. You were just like, oh, cool. You know, something must be going on. That's going to, you know, these movies are going to keep going, but not you. I don't think anyone knew the extent that they were really going to go to and, you know, blow up to, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. And again, I, I barely remember what the, when these movies came out, like I just wasn't following them. Uh, I, I was probably following the Dark Knight trilogy a little bit closer as opposed to this. Uh, so, I mean, not, the, I mean, Dark Knight Rises won't want to come out for another few years at this point, but, you know, still, <clears throat> that was kind of the, the comic book hero I was following at this time. I wasn't even really following, you know, the, Mar- the Marvel stuff even early on. So I honestly don't even remember when this movie came out uh, or like went in 2010. I don't remember what I was doing, where I was. It didn't make much of a, uh, in, in, like a spark in my memory, but <clears throat> here we are getting going forward with it. So going into this movie, we start now sequels. I always feel like have can be either very hit or miss. Yes. And, and especially at this time when we're trying to, I'm trying to think of this movie in the context of not so much in the MCU universe, like just as a sequel to Iron Man before people finally started realizing, like, oh shit, like these things are coming, like these are just small pieces of this huge puzzle. And I, for some reason, I, I always, sequels are either hit or miss with me. Uh, I mean, you you think of those like mega successful sequels, something like you know akin to like Terminator Two, which or like The Godfather Part Two, where people debate are these sequels even better? Like they're better than the original. And then you have stuff like you know Back to the Future Future Part Two or like <laughs> Jaws Two or you know something like that, and you're like, oh man. Oh man, like maybe we st- we there was a misfire. We got to pump the brakes along the lines, yeah. And so, going this movie, I was trying to be as open-minded as possible, but I was also trying to see where they elevate, where they take the story, because successful sequels, in my mind, elevate the story. They continue. They don't just merely, they don't merely just take on and just try and like milk the cash cow. They try and elevate the story to something new. And the bar was set so high with Iron Man that that would be a challenge. But, you know, pretty much the same crew, the core crew is coming back. You know, you have Favreau still directing, Robert Downey Jr., uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, I mean, big casting change with uh, Rhodes here with Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle taking over for Terrence Howard, um, which, I I mean, I I don't, I, I think when this movie came out, you know, as a, a younger kid, I don't, I, like, I don't, it didn't bother me in this movie, and that might just be because I've seen the evolution of this character now, so, like, for the past, this movie came out in 2010, so for the past 10 years, Don Cheadle has been Colonel Rhodes' war machine, so I don't know, I can't, I wish I could tell you, did this recast bother me, affect me at all back, back then? But I can't. So really, I mean, not, it wasn't that big of a deal in, in my eyes right now. But you would probably be able to answer that question better, somewhat better, because you also know 
that Don Cheadle ends up in the MCU. And we talked about it in the first Iron Man too, is you were like, well, I never saw Terrence Howard after this movie. And I said to him, I'm like, well, you're not gonna because he, he was recast. But, you know, was this jarring to you at all? Or did you just like when they're like, oh, Colonel Rhodes, come on up. And Tom Cheadle walks in where you're like, wait a second, that's not the same guy. Uh, I went with it. I mean, because you see recasting happen a lot, not so much in movies, but like, you know, like Game of Thrones, like how many times do they recast side characters? And I just oh, kind of, you just kind of roll yeah, with yeah. it. Uh, unless it's, if this was like in the middle of the, of the universe, like, in, like this, if this happened in like 2016 or like 2015, that would if definitely Terrence be Howell jarring. Did like the first half of the MCU and then Don Cheadle came in. Yeah, that you, you're right. It happened like, early enough in this whole process that it's just a bump in the road. Yeah. And also I feel like Don Cheadle is a better actor than Terrence Howard. Uh, so I kind of was like, oh, well, we upgraded upgrade, a little bit, yeah. but that's just my opinion. Uh, so it didn't really bother me that, that much when Don Cheadle was in the movie. Uh, so, but that, we, but essentially like the whole core cast is together. So I'm thinking, okay, you know, first movie was lightning in a bottle. It was like, came right at the right time. Now let's see like where we can go with this. Cause I feel like there's so much, the MCU has so much potential for really rich character studies and, and even just like narratives like there, there you have this I don't want to say a blank canvas but you have so many different angles you can go down and it's I'm very curious to see if they do go down them I think in some films just from my prior knowledge they sort of go down those roads but they never truly explore them uh, so we'll, we'll we'll get into Iron Man 2 and see if we get into that because they I think there's some really interesting nuggets that they have in this movie that they don't truly capitalize on but we'll get there when we get there so we open up with iron man 2 kind of this we get this opening this recap of you know literally the last movie right when yep. tony stark is saying well you know i am iron man and but we're in russia and yep. we're in like almost like it's 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 almost looking like a gulag or maybe not a gulag <laughs> but like a gulag in the sense of like it's just like this beaten city it's snowing it just looks it's dark looks absolutely miserable and yeah, we're it's inter- yeah well yeah it's russia yeah. and we're introduced to our this new character word this this guy he's dying and then we see mickey rooney mickey yep which i was like holy shit mickey rooney and i good, good to see you man uh i think this was around the time the wrestler was either just came out or like soon after and that was i know the wrestler was a really big turning point for mickey rooney and because you know darren aronofsky gave him that opportunity to be like you can be a an actor that people take seriously and all of his you know all of his past struggles with drug drug addiction and and drug abuse and you know the, the rough life he had that movie helped encapsulate and it was a cathartic release for an actor so whether or not this I, i'm not gonna i don't it's remember the exact day saying all that it's, it's fun to actually draw the parallels there a little bit between you know rdj and his trajectory from this iron man series and now here uh here as well with mickey yeah and so i just quickly looked it up 
this came out two years after The Wrestler. So he's now he's definitely on that high. I'm pretty sure he had an Oscar nom or definitely awards nominations for The Wrestler. And it was a spectacular performance. So seeing him here, I'm like, okay, where are we going to go with this? We're, we have this, we have this, uh, this, this, this uh, Ivan, father and son dynamic, father's dying and father dies and, and he starts building, or he pulls out plans for, and this does happen in the movie, right? I'm not like jumping, like, in no, the you're, you're right. right. Yep, you're okay. on track. So he pulls out uh, blueprints for the arc reactor and, and he starts building a new power supply, it seems. And I'm like, oh shit, like, where is this going? And, and I really do like this beginning, uh, be, this beginning sequence of it's, 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 it almost reminds me of, like when in Rocky, go with me in Rocky three when when he fights Mr. T and and Rocky is you know showboating, he's doing yeah. all this stuff, he's fancy, and then Mr. T is just training in like a studio apartment, you know, with like down in like the in like South Philly or like West Philly, and and it's just like that juxtaposition of just like poor and rich, and I'm really getting some of those vibes with Mickey Rooney here, just you know. He's this genius scientist that is building things from, you know, nothing. And I think that's also, you know, an interesting parallel between how this second Iron Man movie starts out versus how the first Iron Man movie starts out. You have this brilliant scientist locked in, like, this dark, dingy, dungeon-y cave or, you know, in this case, apartment, you know, war-torn apartment complex or whatever exactly he's in and building something out of nothing, basically. Mm-hmm, exactly and with that you know we're, we're we we're immediately thinking okay this is this is the villain plus it's mickey rooney and so where is this gonna go but we're planting those seeds get right into iron man 2 and then we transition back to the united states and you know tony stark is helo jumping out <laughs> of this plane which is totally unnecessary to begin with. Yeah, I literally, my first note is, why did Tony helo jump out of a plane and into a building when no one saw him helo jump? You know, I thought he was going to, like, helo jump into, like, a football stadium or a baseball game or something where I'm like, oh, they would see, like, his trails and rockets. But, no, he just, like, crashes through the roof and lands on and lands on on the stage and i'm like oh that was completely unnecessary yeah it was just cool to see but you know totally yes totally unnecessary whatever we look past it yeah and so and we just get this opening montage of you know it's the stark expo it's 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 essentially i took this as like the world's fair like the privatized world's fair yep that's exactly how i saw it where it's just we're we're showcasing all these inventions uh and it kind of calls back to uh, I guess before this movie, but for us, you know, Captain America, the first Avenger, when, you know, uh, Bucky and Steve are walking through with the dates and Howard Stark appears showing like the, the floating cars. And I, I took that as kind of like a very similar, maybe not the Stark Expo, but like World's Fair showcasing all these inventions that will like you uh, modernize and, and bring us to the future. Yep. And, but this is going on a year long time. You know, it, it's just an it's just a an avenue and an and a and a time for Tony Stark just to be like, oh, I'm awesome, I'm so awesome. And even <laughs> you know, Pepper Potts even calls it out like it's just to feed your ego. It's for nothing else, and don't try and hide that. 
And no, so, yeah. Yeah, and we just get this, like, really flat. Like, it's in true Tony Stark fashion, just the super flashy. You know, he, he comes down in the suit, takes it off. He's like, yeah, I'm not saying that I privatize world peace. I'm not – like, it's just this <laughs> this very, like, I'm not saying this, but, like, you know, someone else might say it. Uh, and, and it, you know, it's just, you know, further re, uh, it's, it's re-familiarizing us with the character of Tony Stark. He's just this narcissistic playboy who is literally on top of the world right now. Exactly. Ever since coming out as Iron Man. And it's, and it's funny with that juxtaposition of like, I think of, of like, a, and I brought this up in the original Iron Man, you, th- you compare him to someone like Batman, who is so secretive and he, or, or like Spider-Man who says, I, I can't have these, I have to have the separation of these lives for the safety of the one of those for, I love. Oh, the, the ones around me. Yeah. But Tony and Stark goes Tony. the complete opposite. <laughs> yeah. And Bodhi, flashy, Hilo jumping into his conference. Exactly. And I think that leads into another really interesting moment. Uh, but, but here we're also getting nuggets of, you know, blood toxicity levels, which I first, I thought, I thought he was trying to figure out like how drunk he was. Cause that sounds like <laughs> something like Tony Stark would do like show up, like Hilo jump, show up to this, uh, this center stage and be absolutely smashed and, and still get through it perfectly. And I thought that he was taking his own blood to be like, how, what's the blood alcohol level? So can mm-hmm. I drive home? Uh, <laughs> can I fly home? We're not, which, which we find out is not, but we get this really interesting montage of like a first person, him walking through being the celebrity, uh, you know, signing, like, like kissing babies, taking pictures, shaking hands, uh, signing autographs, all that good stuff. And then he gets served papers by the U.S. government Essentially, them saying like we're trying, like they're gonna try and seize, try their take stuff. his armor, yeah. And I think that this could be a really interesting commentary, especially just with my knowledge of where, like, where his stance of in civil or what I, what I think to be his stance in civil war, of you know government encroachment on you know private business. And I think like that's a really interesting commentary we can have in this movie. Uh, do they go anywhere with it? We'll we'll you'll, we'll find out as we go through the movie. Right. But I'm I'm very I'm very interested that you brought that point up now, and you're trying to draw parallels to Civil War. I'm not gonna you know get into you know that's something that we we'll definitely hearken back to. But um, I like I like where your head's at. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely that's like the the few things I know about this universe going into it. It's just like bare minimum of like who like captain america and tony stark in like what their sides are like what they're clashing against but like that's it and like a few other like side tan- like tangents over here and there but so we so then we transition into the government uh like the 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 senate hearing essentially where tony stark is not taking it seriously yeah. he's trying to like kind of make it like a like a joke which you know fits the character you know, mm-hmm. he's just like, Absolutely. he's like, he's like trying to like talk to Pepper as like throughout the thing. And the senators are like, come on, don't like Mr. Stark, like take this seriously. And, and, and it's, it's a really interesting scene here. I mean, here we're also introduced to Justin Hammer. Uh, Justin, yes, yeah, Sam, uh, Sam Rockwell, Justin Hammer, which I, I wanted to bring up really quickly. Um, I remember 
he was he was reading about it. He was a contender to play um, Iron Man. He, you know, Favreau wanted. He was one of the people that Favreau, you know, was it was on his short list to be Tony Stark. Eventually, obviously, RDJ won out, and we know how that all panned out. But Favreau was so you know into um, Sam Rockwell at the time that, or, or after the first, you know set of casting for Iron Man that he was like I like this guy I see something in him and he he wanted to bring him back in some capacity and that's kind of why we have him as Justin Hammer now and I think Sam Rockwell is such an underrated actor like he's one of those names that people hear and they think oh yeah he's a he's a really good actor but I think he's so underappreciated as like a well-rounded actor he can play comedy super well he's got great comedic timing he can play really dramatic things and he also like can he, he doesn't have to take himself so seriously either you know I most recently I watched him in Jojo Rabbit as like the captain like head Nazi as like head of the Hitler youth and he was fantastic in that movie I think his comedic timing was great but also he like the dramatic parts of that role he does extraordinarily well uh you know playing george w in vice uh moon uh i'm trying to think of other movies that that i'm uh, yeah, wow. okay Green now Mile. That you bring that up for vice i'm like holy cow that was him yeah seven psychopaths and you know he he's been in so many films that he can either be you know the the, the three billboards in uh, Ebbing, Missouri, or whatever, mm, the three yep. billboards. He was also great in that. So he can be the leading man. He can be the side character. He can be a background character, but he will do a phenomenal job. So seeing him, I, I knew that he was going to do a good job. Now, Justin Hammer, I do have some things about that character, but I really do like how Sam Rockwell plays the character. Uh, because especially just who he is and his persona and his screen presence that he has. Uh, but I will admit, I do have some issues with the writing of the character, but we'll get into that as the film goes on. But here, he's brought in as, I guess, the other weapons. I thought he was another senator or something like that, but he's a, he's like a, a weapons consultant yeah, for the military that they to brought power in. in Tony's wake, basically. When Tony stopped manufacturing weapons for the U.S. government, that was, you know, Sam Rockwell, or sorry, Justin Hammer's chance at to grab those government contracts. Yeah, and he was brought in as like a key witness to try and yes. uh I guess try and hit like Support as ammunition, the senator's yeah, case, yeah. As ammunition against Tony Stark and essentially claiming that okay, like we have to we need these weapons because like if you have them we can't utilize them to protect ourselves when other people are making copycats of the Iron Man technology in the suit. And then Tony Stark in, in, in classic Stark fashion hijacks the meeting and, and the hearing and essentially says, you know, no one's got this technology. Every single attempt has been fail has been a failure. Oh, Hey, even your attempt at making an Iron I, Man suit. I remember see every single time I see that where the, where the Iron Man suit just completely 180s around and you know, the pilots in there. I, I remember you know, 2010 being mortified about just someone getting twisted in half like that every time it makes my skin crawl. 
it's just one of those things that I was like, oh God. But, and even like two minutes later, we get the throwaway line of like, well, thank God the pilot was okay of that armor. The pilot survived. I was like, oh, it doesn't make it better, but okay. Well, it's funny because I didn't, until you said it, I didn't really even really realize that it twisted completely around. Yeah, that because I. Related. Because at first I was like, oh, well, like, why wouldn't the pilot be okay? And then, but now that you say it, I was like, oh my God, yeah. Yeah. Th- that makes Mortifying. sense. Because he just that- got messed up in this, in this, in this accident. And especially, and I think that's, we're start- first starting to plant the seeds that, you know, Justin Hammer isn't exactly the best developer of weapons or technology. He's, he's the guy that jumps on the bandwagon and just, he's, he's like the, he's the, the equivalent of the cheap car salesman in this, of the weapons dealers world, in my opinion. Yes, exactly. He just sells cheap oh, no, you, you quality. Got it. Uh, and which, we get a huge payoff for that later in the movie too, yeah. which I can't wait till we get to, cause I, I love that scene. Yeah. I, I, yeah, that, we'll yeah, get to that, that scene that we'll get to that moment as well. Cause I also really did like that moment, but you know, in this, in this <laughs> moment, you know, Tony is able to turn, turn it around, even get the Senator to swear at him, which I thought was weird, but, uh, it's that Marvel humor, like, fuck you, Tony, which again, it works and doesn't work where it's like, okay, come on, that would never, I mean, I don't want to say this would never happen, but, like, that's, that's kind of pushing it a little very too far. very far-fetched, yeah. Um, especially a center who's trying to nail this guy. He's just like, <laughs> fuck you. Uh, but, it, and then here we get the classic, I guess, a, an important line where Tony says, you know, you're saying that they have this technology. No one's going to have it for maybe 10 or 20 years. And I think that's a very, or at yeah, least the like- narrative says this is a very critical line that Tony says. And it kind of helps push the narrative a little bit forward in just Tony almost guaranteeing that no one can make the technology. And then, you know, people might have the technology. <laughs> like, you don't really know. So, and and that, you know, and then we transition back to, you know, that, that whole scene, he just kind of, he just, oh, well, and then Don Cheadle was brought back in. Yes, and reintroduced to Colonel Rhodes as... But it's Don Cheadle this time, which is which I think, and again here, this is where they're tr- like there's nuggets of potential when you know they say, okay, read read your report, uh, Captain. Uh, I was about to say Captain Cheadle, uh, Captain Rhodes, <laughs> and uh, yeah, or Colonel, like or read you know, read your report, and he says, well, if I read a paragraph of this of this out of like, context, it, yeah, it's gonna. He, he's essentially saying, you know, this isn't you're twisting my words. He says, Oh, just a paragraph will do essentially saying that the iron man, like iron man is dangerous. And he says, well, but then I go to say that, that we actually need this. He's a greater asset than he is a threat or something to that effect. Like the benefits outweigh the negatives here. And then the Senator just quickly hushes him. But, and this is, would have been a really interesting moment if, you know, Rhodes said, no, 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 I'm going to finish. If like you brought me here as a witness, I have this report. I'm going to read, the i'm not just going to pick and choose i feel that would have been a really interesting dynamic to have uh because Rhodes in this movie is written i think a little bit weak on the weaker side i feel like he had his his motivations were a little bit more clear in the first iron man as opposed to here where he just is he's more relegated to you know tony's friend but he's also just like a military man that's what there's no other motivations outside of that you know and i think his motivations still get a little muddled especially in like towards the middle of the film okay 
Yeah, I, I agree. Um, but no, I think you hit the nail on the head. His two, you know, character traits in this movie are a military man who's going to follow the orders of his superiors, which kind of, you know, whether he likes them or not, a little Captain America-esque. And, you know, he's just, as you said, he's Tony's friend. Yeah. And so, and, and so, yeah, we have that introduction and then Tony essentially just suavely just he turns it into a press conference for him where he just starts strolling out and he's like, Oh, I always pleasure myself. And he just like kind of spins out of the room. <laughs> and then we transition back to Russia with Ivan making the, I think this is the scene when we see the whips and like the, right, yeah. the uh, essentially like the electricity running through them and he's powering them. Essentially we're seeing that he's making progress in his developing of these weapons yeah, and if I yeah, if if that is how I'm remembering it properly. No, yeah, because I'm pretty sure that press conference is again aired over in Russia, and this is what we see. And then from there, we jump back, and I think this is when we start to kind of get inklings about really what's going on with Tony in the movie. It's you know we see him changing you know getting to the his main one of his main problems is the thing that's keeping him alive is also killing him it's he's got poisoning pepper, him yeah it's got he's got pepper downstairs or pe- you know someone's downstairs and we see him taking the the reactor out taking the polydium cartridge out it's all corroded pops a new one in and we see you know his blood toxicity is up even higher and it's, yeah, he, he's slowly dying while he's trying to keep himself alive. Yeah. And he has to drink some concoction to help slow down like the acidity. Yeah. Whatever's going on in his body. Yeah. And you're seeing it start to like radiate through his chest. You're like, Oh, okay. This is, this is interesting. And you know, Pepper Potts is introduced again and you know, they're having an argument and Tony just isn't really tr- – he's, like, being despondent. But he's also being a sarcastic self. He's like, oh, well, you know, you got rid of our, our like, $150 million collection of art, and you gave it to the Boy Scouts of America. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's a tax write-off. And, <laughs> and she says, well – and she's rightly pissed because she was curating it for over, like, 10 years or something like that. And, and they says, you know what? Oh, this is real art. And it's, like, a poster of him. Uh, which is interesting because that 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 design. This is just like a little nug, like a nugget, just behind the scenes. Like that design, you know, based off the Obama change. That's what I was gonna say. Is that is also uh, Shepard Ferry, a street artist who designed that whole thing, uh, and kind of created that Obama uh, version, whatever they called it, Obama sized me. But you know, I think it's interesting that he is taking this this image of he's like hijacking this image of change and saying, Oh yeah, I really like, this is art. I'm going to hang this up and, and hangs it up, takes off like another priceless piece of art, hangs it up. But then we transition to Tony just says, you know what? Take Stark industries. You're the CEO now, which was interesting. That was like the first clue for me because that wasn't so much of a, a, uh, a like placating or just trying to like get like pepper to shut up. I got that as he's like giving things away. And that right. was my first clue that something was up with Tony. There's more going on here. Yeah, he he's come to terms with something that the audience or he, he's coming to terms with something that the audience isn't fully aware of yet. And I think you hit the nail on the head. 
he, he jokes off giving away his priceless art collection, but when he, he's actually serious about, you know, putting the company in someone's capable hands. Yeah, and it's, and it's interesting here because at this point, I started thinking about, and this is just like my prior knowledge of, you know, just like psychology and what I've learned in school. And Jake, I'm sure you're aware of this too. When people, especially you see this a lot in people that are becoming suicidal or if they're terminally ill, AKA Tony, Tony Stark, terminally ill, they start giving away their possessions, just anything. And whether they think they're going to die soon, that they're just start giving things away. They can start acting recklessly. And this is when I started thinking like, oh man, like something is really deeply wrong with Tony here, whether or not he's, and he, and in my opinion, he's such a narcissist that he would never admit, you know, his impending death or he would never, he would never actually talk about his, his death or his, that he thinks he's going to die or at least cope with it in a healthy way. He's going to be a rich narcissistic playboy and try and go down, you know, having fun. It almost seems like. Exactly. And he doesn't have these coping skills that, (laughs) that he just is like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to do whatever I want. I mean, he's lived his, yeah, he's lived his life like that the whole time, but you know, it, it makes a little bit more sense when you're seeing this. However, uh, as the film goes on, I don't really buy the self-destructive nature. It seems very forced to me, but at least in this beginning scenes, it seems a little more genuine, I guess. Yeah, but I, 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 I could definitely jump on board with all of that because there's yes, a moment as the movie goes on, and there's like, a moment I will point out when the self-destructive behavior just seems entirely force to me i but, think i know what you're gonna say but we'll we'll yeah you'll, we'll you'll yeah you'll, you'll, you'll let me know when, when i get there and so and then we also get a new introduction to a very important character of the mcu and let me say i, I don't think again this time it, it was 2010 when this movie came out so you know we're introduced to uh, I think they're calling her Natalie Rushman at this point. But, you know, now looking back, I see, I'm like, oh, my, yeah, that's Black Widow. That's Natasha Romanoff. But we're just introduced to her in, like, a very casual way where she's got some paperwork. She's from legal, going to sign the company over. And we have really no idea what, you know, she, as all as far as we know, she's just another character in this film to help, you know, further it along, you know, and of course she's very attractive. Tony wants to bring her on as her assistant. So that, you know, be or as his assistant kind of justifies her more, you know, personal role in this mo- or bigger role in this movie. Um, but, you know, at the time, 2010, you know, like, okay, this is just another character. Now looking back, you're like, wow, Black Widow was brought in really early in this whole, you know, franchise. Yeah, and I also don't know her like background. And so seeing her here, I was like, oh wow, this is a very odd introduction to this like very pivotal character. Now, of course, later in the movie, it's explained a it, it's you start it's, to it's get not as yeah. It's not as uh, clear cut as, you know, Natalie Rushman is, you know, she's Mm -hmm. not like, it almost seemed like, oh, is she like Catwoman uh, in uh, Dark Knight Rises where she's just putting on an act? Like what's going on? And that's kind of right, but it's not as so, whereas Catwoman is this, uh, this, you know, cat burglar for lack of a better word. And it's all like self-motivated. There is something much bigger going on here. 
uh, but yeah, we're introduced to you know now uh, I was about to say Natalie Portman. Uh, we're we're introduced. <laughs> we'll to, we'll get her in another movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a little bit later. But we're introduced to Black Widow, and I do like the scene with uh, with uh, John Favreau, Happy, and they're boxing and. Oh, get get on in there. Oh, like happy, teach her a lesson. And he's like trying to be like coy, like, oh, you know, first first lesson of boxing. And she just like whips out this like mixed martial art, uh, like judo throw and like wraps her legs around his neck and throws <laughs> him on the ground. And I'm like, oh shit, that's awesome. Even Tony's like, what did what? I need her. I need her. And even I was like, that's badass. I really do. I really did like that. Although it was kind of weird in the context of sh- if you know, if she is Black Widow and she's trying to be, you know, low, low key, low key. that was not yeah, low key in no, the not slightest. At all. Um, and, and I, I actually, I want to give Favreau credit here too, because typically I'm, I'm not huge on when directors play a huge role in their own movies, um, or not huge, but like, I think Tarantino does it pretty well where he's got little asides here and there, but it's no, it's nothing major. You know, Favreau's a pretty big character in his own movie, and I think just, you know, to give him kudos, it it plays out really well, in my opinion. I don't know how you feel about that in general and how you feel about how it's happening in this movie, but I think it's done, you know, tastefully. He's in there for a little bit of comic relief, not stealing the spotlight, but, you know, he's there. Yeah, no, I think he's he's the appropriate amount of, who he is. In the first Iron Man, I thought it was a little, and I guess it's just more, again, knowledge that I have of the series. Uh, I thought he had more screen time in Spider-Man Far From Home, or not Far From Home, Homecoming, than he did in the first Iron Man. But, you know, here I thought it was appropriate. He had a little bit more to do, and he's the sidekick. He And he yeah. should be, I mean, not should be treated, but he shouldn't be given more to do than just like a sidekick role like he shouldn't be the guy that suddenly takes the plane and is doing all this like aero <laughs> like aerodynamic like this these air uh like air well fighting uh, scenes yeah, never mind because we we will get into something shortly that actually did irk me about this a little bit and his role but we'll get yeah a little bit there. at the end but uh but yeah but i feel like as of right now like it's appropriate i feel yes. like he's yes. he's doing enough uh and 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 so yeah now we're gonna get into well and then we get a little side bit of now ivan gets a passport and a ticket to the grand prix in monaco which i thought was okay where's where this going he's now leaving and why why monaco like why is he going to the grand prix that seems really interesting is this where he makes his big reveal which yes but there's reasons why the grand prix which i feel like it's kind of random, but, and, and a little small detail that I thought was weird was when he's kind of chilling out and, and he's like, Oh, here, here you go, Ivan. And he puts it in his jacket and then he turns away, walks five feet and then pulls it out of his jacket again. Uh, just, I mean, that's a, such a nitpick detail, but I just thought it was kind of funny where I was like, oh, he put it in his jacket, then walked away and took it right back out. <laughs> uh, and that's just kind of how my brain works. But we get to the Grand Prix and Tony's there. So it's okay. That's not a coincidence. You know, of course, Iron Man has to be here where the villain's going to be here. Right. And, you know, this is when we're, 
reintroduced to the I, it was the journalist from the la, from the first Iron Man who he slept with. Yeah, and, from Vanity Fair, I think. And, and like we have that that funny. It kills me every single time that funny line and where Pepper's like, "Oh yeah, she did a nice uh, nice spread on Tony last year." And he goes, "Yeah, she wrote a nice article too." I, it, it <laughs> it's one of those stupid little jokes, but I was like, oh, "It's still funny." Yeah, and. And in even like taking small digs at Hammer here, Hammer, yeah, and, and, and Hammer's we, trying to keep it cool, like no, we're buddies. Don't worry, I know him. <laughs> and we even get a uh, we get a cameo from Elon Musk, which I was waiting. Yeah, I wrote that down, and I totally forgot it happened. And I'm just, you know, it was cool and whatever. But I was like, why the hell was Elon Musk in this movie? How much did he pay to just show up for, you know? 10 seconds in Iron Man. Well, it's funny because I feel like that cameo means way more now in 2020 than it did in 2010. I mean, he was... I think you're absolutely right. I mean, he was... uh, I mean, starting up with PayPal you know, te- uh, Tesla stuff. And, uh, and I think SpaceX was starting up around here, but he essentially was compared not as like a playboy, but he was just this like self-made multi-million billionaire who then would just do cool shit because he wanted to like the whole spacex program was because he wanted to do space exploration and he like is privatizing space exploration or he he's like on that track too and Mm -hmm. like really trying to fund a lot of science that it makes sense that he would be like good friends with tony stark or at least you know be acquainted cordial with with yes to some but that being said, Elon Musk, like I said, that cameo means way more now than it did in 2010. You know, yeah, in 2010, I, I think I had no clue who. I mean, I was a sophomore in high school, but I had no clue who that was. I'm just like, oh, that's weird. I wonder. You know, I don't even think I paid any attention to it. It's like, oh, he just said hey to some dude. Now I'm like, wow, look at Elon go. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, just a side bit, and and here's where we get another another moment that I feel like is very like, I'm not buying the self-destructive nature. So we're at the Grand Prix and Tony is staring at the mirror and his, his toxic levels are going up and he just looks up in the mirror and I forget what he says, but he essentially puts on a, a racing outfit and he goes and commandeers his own. Yeah. What's uh, the point of having a race car if you don't get to drive it? Which was really weird to me. Yeah, like that and just I seems thought, so out of character. Not out of character, but it just seems so random and forced. Forced, and this is exactly the one of the moments I thought you were going to bring up when you said, you know, this is where I'm not buying the self-destructive nature because, I mean, then again, neither of us are billionaire playboy th- philanthropists, but um, I don't, you know, it just doesn't. It's forced. It feels really forced for him just to jump in a race car, be decent enough at it to, you know, just get going and race around this track because he knows he's dying and wants to do some dope stuff in his last however long he has. Yeah. And so then that transitions to, you know, Ivan coming out and he just starts wreaking and wrecking havoc on the course. And he's like, he's slicing, th- he's slicing vehicles in half. He's causing mayhem. And then he slices Tony's car. So now, Jake, I want to ask you something. It's, it seems like he's going after Tony. Am yes. I right? Yes. So 
did, did like did he know that he commandeered the car? Like what was the plan? Yeah, that's well, I mean that's that's a very interesting point cuz I, I i remember thinking the same thing too because we see in a scene before tony or it's either it feels like there's no way that he would know tony's going to be racing he knows tony's going to be there but how are you able to make the connection that tony's going to be racing in this grand prix that he's going to commandeer his own vehicle race in the grand prix and you're going to be prepared and you know a track worker's uniform to be able to get that close and onto the track. Um, I guess this is just one of those things that they want us to look past, but it is a little, you know, you're stretching to make those connections. I think. Unless it's the idea that he just starts, you know, like fucking shit off Iron Man. He, you know, his intention was to draw Iron Man out in which case that, you know, now that you say that, that's the that's the ideology I want to move with. So maybe I'll rescind yeah, but, my but whole then, past like, comment. But then he like swipes at Tony. I mean, I guess he saw him get in, but there was none of that moment of just like, "Where's Tony Stark?" And then he looks and he's like, "Oh shit, he's right there." This couldn't have worked out even better. Yeah. Uh, it was like this couldn't have worked out if I planned it, which it seemed like he didn't. So, uh, but then we get this whole this this whole moment of you know Tony trying to fight him without his suit and meanwhile happy and pepper are speeding in like a bentley rolls royce i don't know exactly what i don't remember exactly what it was in the opposite way of this racetrack to get to them and here's one of those points where like we're giving happy too much to do all of a sudden because this is so unbelievable to me (laughs) you're you're driving with with, you know race cars flying at you however hundred many hundred miles an hour and you're going against the grain, weaving in between them while you're arguing with Pepper in the back seat about who's holding the case. And it's who's just, got the key and where's yeah, the key. Yeah, exactly. And... It's like this this is not believable. Uh, and on top of that, you know, Ivan's not a, not a superhuman in any way. He just has these whips and he's just timing, whipping these cars as they're flying past him at, you know, what, 200 miles an hour? It, it, it's a it's tough scene even, to buy. It's not even that. It's the fact that he has no armor on and no one is shooting him. All you have to do yeah. is shoot him in the head, and he's fine. Like he's, or he's not fine. He's dead. Like there's your problem right, right. solved. And I'm like, wait a minute. You're telling Let's, me like there's no one shooting at him right that's now. That's even what my mom said. She goes, "Where are the police right now? Like you know, there there's no like no security at all for a guy on the track whipping cars in half." Yeah, like all you have to do is get out a gun and just start. What like just uh just shoot him like it's fucking RoboCop like literally blow his limbs off he will like he will die he has no suit of armor to protect him he just has this really uh janky uh harness whips yeah and even you know Happy finally rams him with a car and he's walking around two scenes later like your legs just got pinned against a guardrail and you're totally fine. Yeah, that was also interesting where I was like, wait a minute, he's getting crushed by a car or he should be getting crushed by a car and he's fine. Yeah, I and then and at first I thought like his suit was maybe like injecting him with steroids or some sort of like, you know, this like super uh, soldier uh, serum or something like that we're uh, used to in these films. But no, I, as far as I could tell, none of that shit was oh, happening. Yeah, and- and if it if that's the case, it was not explained or mentioned whatsoever. So I I feel like you know we're fair, we're right on our assumptions of you know 
he's just a guy wearing a suit that got hit by a car a couple of times and is miraculously able to walk away. And so, and then here's another thing. So uh, Tony does get a suit on and he's, you know, he doesn't get his ass beat, but the suit takes a beating. Yes. And it's, it's, you know, it's an entertaining fight. I actually really like this moment because he's like, Tony is struggling to best him, but he, but he eventually does. And, and, and then at the end, like at the end of the fight, he says, you lose. So I'm like, we did. I'm like, I don't know. He seemed like he fucking won. And, 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 and then this is when the police come, like the moment Finally, that he, yeah. he takes out the, the, uh, essentially the, the power core to the suit. That's when the police come. No guns. No, they're in full riot gear, but well, they have no guns. And, and just jumping back briefly one second, another thing that I found a, a little unbelievable was, you know, to, you know, a minute ago, he's whipping race cars in half. And now he's pinned with this car in front of him. He whips the door off of one side and then he goes to whip the car in half itself. And it barely crushes the roof. Uh, it just seems, you know, our power levels like are inconsistent. inconsistent all yeah. Of a sudden. yeah. And, and yeah. And that's a nitpicky thing, but it, it just bothered me. Well, and I think the other thing is the agency of the scene just feels so forced, you know, and, 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 and or the agency of, of the scene as well as just like, oh, you lose Tony Stark. And I guess it, it, we find out he's doing this to try and like make, and even Pepper addresses this later in the movie where it's like, was the point of this to show that Iron Man is weak? because he won the fight and he still yeah. protected everyone. So that was just odd to me. And mm-hmm. and this goes into again Mickey Rooney as a because the next scene is Tony is is I guess not interrogating him in prison and you know talking to each other to kind of figure out his motivations. And and that was the weird moment when uh when Ivan says, "Oh, you know, that must be an awful way to die of it in your chest." But that doesn't go anywhere, does it? Like he just mentions it. But I guess maybe it's supposed to he knows the technology. So yeah, he understands I think that's that. It. Yeah, it's just polonium in your chest is a hell of a way to go. Um so yeah, I think that's it. And and I guess it helps Tony, you know, realize or start to realize that you know, or I guess more so come to terms with his own death, even though at this point we're, you know, pretty sure he's come to terms with. Well, I, I, I guess well, he's to some extent, to, yeah. well, he recognizes he will die soon, exactly. whether or not he's accepted that. And, and this goes into this point that Mickey Rooney as a villain is pretty, I don't want to say lackluster. It's just, I wish there was more exploration as him as a villain and as a person, you know? And right. I feel like I had the issue, the same issue with Obadiah in the first Iron Man, with that I feel like the villain was very, like, it was not explored at all. Whereas this guy, it's it's more of like, I can get behind revenge, but I kind of want to understand a little bit more about this character, and that's not given an exposition, you know? I th- and I think part of what we need to take into account with some of these movies as well is that you know i think marvel is still learning from you know because these are the first couple that they've put out or in this you know the infinity saga so i think they're still kind of learning how to motivate their characters because or their villains and their characters i guess um 
because it's you know this is early in the saga and we get lukewarm villains down the line but i feel like we also get a lot more motivated and easier to get behind villains down the line and i think this is part of that learning process for them is you know how to really do what we want to do in the best way in terms of our heroes and our villains yeah and and another thing about this scene is he explains it here was like the whole point was to prove that Iron Man is not invincible, but he didn't kill or defeat Iron Man. So I don't understand what, like, I feel like that failed, but then in like the following moments with the, the senators and, and all like the, uh, the critics of Iron Man essentially are boasting that Iron Man was defeated or that he, that he got his ass kicked. But I'm like, no, he won. I, I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand this this mindset of well you know he he got he his suits his suit got really messed up so therefore he lost I'm like well no the bad guy's in prison and and no one really got hurt yeah no one well, well i mean maybe some of the drivers, drivers but yeah. and and i do want to say uh, and i want to return to that point a little bit later about no one getting hurt because that is something that we did not say about captain america and i and the first iron man but and we didn't really say that much in Captain Marvel, but people don't really get hurt in Captain Marvel that we see. Whereas not too much no. in this movie, I feel like that sentiment also does echo, which is weird when this follows the first Iron Man, where it pull it pulls no like it it pulls no punches, like it it does it. And here, especially a little bit later, like we get this scene where this guy comes out with electric whips, and you know these cars are flipping like 50 feet in the air and exploding but like the drivers are obviously dead but yeah. no one in the crowd like they're like the people in the in the stands are watching like it's a gladiator like no <laughs> one is running for their fucking life like i would be doing yeah um but so our next scene we have a, or not the next scene but essentially what i think the next thing to talk about is how Mickey Rooney is essentially escapes from prison. Well, he does not, he does not escape, but he, well, he escapes, but not on his own volition. He gets help. He is essentially this big stage of, oh, enjoy the potatoes. There's a bomb under the potatoes. They put in a a body double. Body double. Yeah. And get him out of there with the key and and, whisked away. And to, well, and I kind of figured, I saw this coming. Hammer, Justin Hammer has broken him out of prison to work with him. And I did, I, what, the moment he was in prison, I knew that somehow Hammer was going to be involved with this guy. I'm, I'm glad that you made that jump. I, I you know, I, I, I'm sure I didn't see it coming in 2010. Um, and quite honestly, I kind of forgot. You know, I know, you know, Ivan ends up working with Hammer, but I, I didn't remember how. And even this time around, I was like, he's getting broken out of prison but why and it's still having known the plot of this movie forgot so i'm you know maybe that's just you mike uh you've seen a lot of movies you could put some pieces together a little bit easier than me well and i mean and i mean not that i was like okay next scene but the moment that he was whisked away into the van i was like i bet hammer did this or something like like something weird like that um but and this whole we get this whole thing of you know you're gonna work like I want you to work for me because we're gonna take out Stark's legacy because that's like we if you can you can kill the man but like his legacy will live on if we kill his legacy if we kill what he stands for and his legacy then you know he'll have nothing but 
it seems like Stark is already doing that on his own. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. And plus, no, yeah. and like no one does. Just like they're not going after his legacy. I guess maybe Hammer thinks if he can make better iron, like Iron Man suits, that that will destroy the legacy. But and and Mickey Rooney can go behind get or uh, Ivan can get behind this idea of destroying Tony Stark's legacy. He even kind of mentions it a little bit later in the movie if you can make god ble- or no was it earlier or later when he was talking about making god bleed it may have been a little bit earlier when he made that that segment it was just like when he said he essentially saying iron man wasn't invincible that's where he says if you can make god bleed people won't believe in him or something like that right yeah and the yeah so we get this like di- this dinner scene and uh you know the, sam rockwell is just hamming it up for this guy and I, and, and I think, like, the interactions between the two, I really do enjoy where, you know, it's like, oh, how's that all sound? And then uh, Ivan speaks Russian. He's like, do you need a translator? Did you did you <laughs> understand anything I just said? And, uh, oh, I need my bird, which was another weird thing, too. But it's like, I need my bird. And he's like, oh, we'll get you a bird. We'll get you the best damn bird best that money day, can yeah. buy. <laughs> you know, it's like, we'll, we'll, we'll live it up. It's okay. Well, we're going to get along just fine. And And so from this moment, we get, I guess, into – is it is it um is it Tony Stark's birthday party after this? Yeah, I think we jumped to Stark's Stark's birthday, which feels like the most appropriate self-destructive behavior, but also not. Uh so this is when the the toxic toxicity blood levels are at like 89%, like he's pretty much indistraught. He and a black widow have some you know flirtation going back and forth yeah and this is you know weird this is something <laughs> that i wrote down that like i'm not sure how i feel about all of this because i know you know this kind of goes into her persona of you know it, it depends on how you want to look at it Do you, if you look at it through the lens of you know knowing who she is and what she does then it makes sense you know she's flirtatious she's gonna do what she needs to do to get information and get ahead but if you don't really know you know what who she is and what she's about you're like oh it's just some someone else trying to cozy up to tony stark is what is uh is black widow is she like a sparrow like the like a russian seductress like was she trained in that is that her background um yeah, I guess I could tell you that. It's kind of she's she's like a yes, she like a super spy type deal thing. So she'll do whatever she has to do to get information and get ahead and so on and so forth. And and you get a little more clarification on, you know, about exactly what she's about and all of that as further movies go on. But for this movie's sake, you technically don't know any of that yet. You just know she's or you find out that she's a spy and, you know, she's put in place to take care of Tony or watch over him, whatever, you know, however you want to put it. Yeah. And that's jumping a a little ahead because we have the next scene, uh, essentially, you know, Tony's just being a drunk asshole at his own party. He's like showing off to the the chicks. Like he's blowing shit up with his, with his suit. He is, you know, drunkenly uh, flirting with uh, Pepper. And then, uh, Rhodes comes in and he's pissed off because he, he's like, oh, you know, I defended him. Like, this is bullshit. He goes downstairs and he puts on the... the Mach the, 1. 
the Mach one is or a, sorry, Mach two, not Mach Mach one, not Mach one. And and he puts on essentially he becomes like War Machine right. essentially, yes. and that was weird to me. It was jarring because he just goes downstairs and puts on the suit, and now he like understand like there's no learning curve for him. He well, knows how I mean, the suit works. There's a a we see it a little bit with a little bit of a learning curve, but you know not the steep learning curve you would expect it to be to just pop into this suit of power armor and be like totally cool. You know we see his awkwardness a little bit throughout you know the ensuing fight scene, but you know it, it's he he's very efficient for his first time being in it even with some of his, I think they tried to, you know, show that a little bit, but it, it was still way too efficient. Yeah. And, and one of the things too, was I just felt like this scene was just so like uninspired. Like it was just a scene. It was just a, like, again, I, Marvel was known for doing this, like spectacle for spectacle sake. Yeah, I didn't really dubstep in the background and let two iron men duke it out. Yeah. Or like, you know, we started with queen and like another another one bites the dust and then it just kind of just started devolving into you know just this cgi spectacle of just two iron men beating the shit out of each other uh i mean it the one thing i did like is that it did set up the the i guess like the the blast that they had when, when essentially when like um when two wands in harry potter when they <laughs> when their brother with the brother wands when they hit each other and then there's this big like explosion essentially that's what happens here and but i i just wasn't digging this fight i just thought it was so like kind of boring and you know the banter wasn't working for me and it was just like okay i don't, I don't really give a shit that this is going on there i and, and since there hasn't been much like exploration between the friendship of these characters because don Cheadle's kind of been barely in this movie up to this point yeah. That I didn't really feel like it, there wasn't much like emotional tension for me that they're two friends like fighting one another. Like this is more of like if their relationship was explored a little bit better, that this would maybe work a little bit more. But do for me, think, the fight was just so uninspired. Do you think how how do you think this would have affected you if it was still Terrence Howard? You think at least having their somewhat you know their friendship wasn't huge from the first movie but it was definitely explored a little bit more probably a little bit better because at least the continuity of the actor and then i could have a it's an easier way to associate like what happened in the first movie to hear because in the first movie they explored the friendship way more yeah i mean i think like the epitome of the friendship is you know in the first movie tony is like two hours late for the flight and then Rhodes says, no, we're going to do work. We're here to do work. He's like, oh, but it's your birthday. Have one drink. And then, yeah, you and know, then that one drink leads into five. And then, you know, the flight attendants are are pole dancing for the two of them. And, you know, they're having a party. You know, that, well, that I feel even, like yeah. is the epitomy of their relationship. That but even that's not- when Tony is, like, dragged out of the desert for the first time and Rhodes is the first one to come running up to him. And, like, before saying, like, hey, are you okay? They have, like, that buddy line of how was the fun V? instead yeah. of like that yeah so like yes I, I i see exactly where you're coming from so but but again i'm relying more of the interaction from the last movie mm-hmm. which at this point was like three years prior not so much of the relationship and the banter between in this movie uh so it was an okay scene i mean tony does like he's i feel like he loses because he's drunk uh 
and I mean, and he is like, you know, has this crippling thing that is killing him, but, uh, <laughs> that little thing. yeah, the little thing. So, uh, um, we get, you know, Rhodes takes off and flies to the air force base and essentially he's like, okay, this is ours. Like I've taken this from him and we're gonna, you know, start dissecting it and weaponizing it more. And then the next scene, you know, Nick Fury, co- oh, well, yeah, Nick Fury finally has the interactions with Tony Stark officially in this movie. And yes. we find out Black Widow, she's a spy. She was there to watch him. And and I'm trying to think of what... what Essentially, we also get this, this first instance where Tony Stark's ego takes a big hit in that, you know... Tony, I, I think it happens here when Tony's saying, like, oh, like, I'm a big deal. You need my help. And Nick Fury says, well, not really. Like, we'd love <laughs> to have you, but we don't really need your help as much as you think we do. Exactly. And I think that's a really that's a really good point in this movie where now it's starting to kind of hint at the larger universe. Like, and, and, it's all, and, it's, and it works really well in 2010 when this is the third movie because – you know, we've only been exposed to Iron Man, and I guess at this point, uh, Hulk. Hulk. So, yeah. you know, when when we like these are our our baselines. Like, here's where we. This is where we know like where the the universe stands. We have Nick Fury coming in and saying, "Now nah, you're actually not a big deal, man. Like, we'd love to have you. You'd be a great member of the team, but you know, you're not you're not the end all be all to this to." whatever we what have we here to yeah work towards like you are a pawn in a massive chess game which tony does not like <laughs> but and then and here we found out more of just like you know oh they give him that weird uh that that uh injection that solution that day you sex of just like oh well this will this will just cure you for like the immediate time yes and they don't go into that a little bit more. And yeah, they they here they basically just or Fury basically just tells them, "I need you to stop screwing around and stop being a uh, you know, you're causing trouble for me now, and that's a problem. Like I need you to just get back to being you and figure yourself out." Yeah, and well, and they confine him to his house, and you know, Coulson, I really love the line where he's like, "You know, if you try and leave, I have no problem tasing you and watching TV while you drool in well, your you carpet." Well, you drool in the carpet. Yeah. And and here we also find out that because they ask him about his father, about Howard Stark, and he says, you know, he was essentially he's like he was a tough bastard. He never showed me love, and we find out here that he was that Howard Stark was one of the founding members of Shield. Yes. And did, did Shield exist before Captain America, the first Avenger, or was um, it, like did it exist after Steve Rogers became you know this this soldier? Shield. I don't know exactly when, you know, the inception of S.H.I.E.L.D. started, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't beforehand. It, it started, you know, kind of after Cap became a thing mm-hmm. in, in you know, World War Two. It yeah. kind of happened, started to happen somewhere after that and really, I guess, more so take shape before the events of Captain Marvel. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay, this is just so for my own reference, but here, you know, we have this chest, essentially, that uh, Tony is going through, and they, and, and, and Samuel Jackson, or Nick Fury says, you know, your answer, like, you haven't tried everything, and your dad, he sort of had the beginnings of the answer. Yeah, I, 
which yeah we so we'll get into the scene so he's going through his journals he's going through uh like his old designs i i think and then he plays uh an old um uh, like a not super eight like an old uh, uh film reel that was mm-hmm. like a promotional for stark industries but it turns into this crypt it was not even cryptic it just turns into a message of you know howard stark speaking to future tony or it's like which well first off i want to mention that there's tesseract's drawings in this journal and there's a lot i feel like there's a lot more clues that i just didn't pick up on but i did i, I thought i saw like drawings of the tesseract yes in those there, there was like yeah the cube was there the tesseract was there so all we you know kind of at this point in the movie and at this point in the timeline you know the last place we saw the tesseract was um in outer space that's where it resides now but we've kind of had the idea that you know for the past when was the first when i think the first stark expo was like in 74 so tony's dad had the tesseract and was able to work with the tesseract from when he pulled it out of the ocean after world you know basically right when world war ii ended to the 70s yeah and so at that moment when howard stark starts speaking to future tony you know we get this like cheesy moment of you know we i don't i'm limited by my technology but you can do it tony you are my greatest creation and jake i'm gonna this was my reaction to that moment was just a big groan this is like snore <laughs> boring groan yeah, or, it's, oh like, dad i loved you uh, you know dad did love me after all it, it was just yeah it was just weird it was just mm-hmm. so weird like you know, we have this moment where Tony remembers his father. It's just this cold, uh, detached person. And and then we have this moment of even like the moment before Tony is playing with the he's playing with the the this like this city diorama. And Howard is just like, put that shit down. Yeah, Go get away. out of here. Yeah, get out, get out of here, which I guess makes sense in that because it's like, don't fuck up this. Th- like, this isn't a toy like this will help you in the future like this is essentially a cryptic way of developing a new element so i can understand of him being like don't fucking touch that you little shit but it's so weird when you go from that to you're my greatest creation son like what like that's <laughs> such a 180 that does yeah. not work for me and and then i guess the next thing we see i mean was there anything you wanted to add to that scene no you pretty much got it because this whole you know this i guess whatever see you know portion of the movie is just meh to me it's you know tony having his chat with uh with fury and then you know going on about how he's gonna fix himself because fury basically told him go fix yourself. And he's just going to do that now. Well, and then the next scene we get is uh, Tony leaving the house 
and, a re- and immediately I was like, how the hell did he leave the house? Like, Coulson literally said to him, if you leave the house, leave the house. Yeah. I will tase you and I will, you know, I will eat your popcorn, eat your food and drink your food or drink your drinks while you are like drooling on the ground. And there's yeah, like I mean, agents all over the place. But then he just like, st- he, he drives zooms out, out his- stops, picks up some strawberries, gives the guy his watch instead of paying him and, you know, goes to see Pepper. And I guess we have some clarification for that later on in like a quick little line that Colson throws yeah, out, but it's like, what, you know, pick a lane. Like, yeah. What's, what's going on here? Yeah. Don't confine him to the house, but then he can leave whenever he wants. And this is another thing. It's a little, I don't remember this from the last movie, but when Tony says, oh, I don't like people handing me things. Is that something that pays off? Was that something that actually is a character thing or is that, I don't, now that it came back up in this movie, I'm like, did that? Ha- did any of those instances happen in the first movie? Um, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't remember if it pays off in any way, aside from just being like a, a little reoccurring joke here and there. And I could be totally wrong, and there could be something that happens in like spider-man or endgame you know because i'm assuming if something's gonna happen it's gonna be in one of those movies there could be something in one of those movies that i totally am blanking on right now but as as far as i'm concerned or as far as i remember it's just like a like a a little gag because they said it two or three times they said in the beginning of the movie when he's being subpoenaed and then they said it here that i remembered Mm -hmm. i was like okay that's weird but all right and we get into this interaction with Pepper Potts. And, and I really do like the writing of Pepper and how she is like this strong female character telling Tony to essentially like fuck off, you know? <laughs> and, I, and I really, and, I, and, and, and it seems, and, and I don't like Gwyneth Paltrow as a person or, I mean, she's a decent actress, but I do not like her as a person, especially, just, just look up Goop. That's all I got to say. And you'll realize <laughs> yeah, how no, much. I know where you're going. And you'll realize just how full of shit she is. But in this, as this character, it's really working with me. And I, and I like how she's not taking a shit for the most part. I mean, she like kind of is, but not like she said, she's like, I, I like the, 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 the small moment of like the little windmill thing. Tony says, that's so distracting. Can we stop that? And she says, no. No, yeah, and he and, do, and, and that and that and he doesn't stop it. He listens to her and doesn't stop it. And I think that's the you pointed it out. That's the best thing about Pepper, and that's kind of just true to comic books and everything. It's like it as big as his ego could get, and you know, as crazy as the the stuff he does. Like, if there's one constant and one thing that keeps him anchored, it's Pepper. And if she tells him to jump, he'll roll his eyes. But you you know. He's going to jump. Yeah, and she's the one character in the whole thing that tells Tony, you know, what what he has to hear. And she will stand up to him, which I think is why he likes her so much and why he keeps her around. Because he trusts her and he she's the only person that he can trust to tell him, like, yo, you're being an asshole. You got to <laughs> you got to you got to work this shit out. And. And, and even like the moment of like you brought me strawberries, it's like yeah, it's like you the one food I'm allergic to. He's <laughs> yeah. like, well, he's like I'm trying. He's like, I, I knew there was like, a correlation. I just, <laughs> you know, this is progress. Yeah, exactly. So and then you know they leave. You know the he, black uh, Black Widow comes in, 
and he like almost like insinuates like outing her but then you know doesn't and this is when he looks at the map or this this city diorama and he breaks it apart puts it in his car and drives back home we see him driving up the california coast with his audi r8 and the diorama sticking five feet out of the roof yeah or out of into yeah yeah it it was a cool visual yeah it was it was funny it worked and you know he scans it and essentially through some i don't want to say it's convoluted just just through some comic book like indiana jones hidden cryptic message oh here's an atom of a new element which, which this is means nothing my... to me like i was like oh okay like he found an element well and that's the thing where they're well, like his dad discovered an element and coded it in a diorama so tony could figure it out to make it you know what 30 something 40 years into the future and this is probably one of the biggest like issues i have with this movie is you know, the exact problem that you're having right now, Tony, guess what? Don't worry. Your dad figured it out for you 40 years in the past. It just seems way too convenient for me. Yeah. And it's also, it's like so specific to his problem. It's not even, it's, it's like, eerily specific to the problem I mean, you know howard stark discovered this element and you know knew it would work for his arc reactor technology which will help change the world but it's it also just so happens to be the only thing that could keep tony alive yeah exactly and then you know tony is able to recreate this element I'm not even going to question how this shit happens. I don't really care. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to. Science. Gonna, yeah, science. Boom. Science. Yeah. And, uh, science, bitch. But uh, so it happens. Whatever. And it's, it, it, it gets us to make oh, sure that to, he doesn't die. Yes. And just to quickly kind of backfill the other kind of story that we should have been paying. Not should have been, but, you know, is going on at this time is – you know, Ivan and Justin are working together. They're planning on building suits to show at the expo where, you know, Tony, you know, Justin has now partnered up with Ivan and he thinks they're going to, you know, go to Tony's expo and embarrass him with these new suits that are going to be bigger, better, stronger, faster than anything Tony's got. And and then we also get the the this moment of uh hammer is selling weapons to Rhodes, i guess to weaponize the the uh, further the, weaponize yeah the uh the the, the, the the iron man armor that he stole or took stole however you want to phrase it yeah or was given maybe but uh <laughs> And, and and this is I think is a good scene. And it with with just this the scene with Hammer selling these weapons where Rose just says, All right, show me what you got. And we just get this montage of all these weapons that he's selling. And Jake, what you were alluding to earlier, what is yep. like the the final the the thing or, that, that we that we are first introduced at this moment. Is Hammer open yeah, he goes through all the weapons and like they're not biting on anything or at least not appearing to and he like he takes out his air quotes big guns and you know does this whole little rant about this missile how it's gonna bust the bunker that's hidden under the bunker of the bad guy's bunker 
and they, you know, they give him the green line and they're like, all right, we'll take it. And, you know, it, this was just that fun scene. And that kind of, as you mentioned, that sleazy car salesman scene where he just keeps going. He's like, oh, that doesn't want your whistle. Well, how about this? And, you know, building upon building upon building and now hammers tasked with putting it all into the suit and, you know, seeing how it does. Well, and it's even funny, like even going further into sleazy carsman, he's just like, I call this the ex-wife. Oh yeah, that's and you're like Jesus Christ, that is so corny. But uh, and he's like, I'll take it, I'll take it. And 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 one thing I want to say is Hammer is a fucking idiot. Like because later on, like as as the film progresses, you know, we find out you know uh, Ivan is making these drones. It's going against the wishes, and then he's uh, you know he uh hammer calls us okay like when can we get a weapons demonstration he's like well they're not ready they can only salute and he's getting pissed and then he comes in and he's like you know this was not our deal i'm like no shit that this guy was going to use the resources for his own gain and exactly. ha- hammer is not intimidating and when he threatens ivan i'm i'm with ivan i'm rolling my eyes like well, look yeah, at him his- look at this guy you you and- like come you're not going to intimidate him yeah, and his big threat is these two guys are gonna beat you up if you try to do anything, and then he walks away. Yeah, like that. Like that. Ivan is like he was like born in uh like a Siberian uh <laughs> yeah. work camp. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Come on, man. Um, and yeah, and he's a hardened. You know, he's a criminal from prison. Not to say you know all criminals are hardened. You know, it's just. He was uh, he was in prison for X amount of years, and you know he was hardened from that experience. So like this is this is nothing. This is a you know this is a great day for him. Yeah, he's like okay. You're oh, I only have to beat the hell out of two guys today. Oh, I'm down you know ten percent from last week. Yeah, exactly. And so and then this goes into the whole bird thing again, where you know they get him a bird. He's like, that's not my bird. And then this scene, he's like cuddling with the bird. Boys and, with the bird, yeah. And Hammer does call it out. He's like, oh, I thought you didn't like the bird. Do you like the bird? Do you not like the bird? And I thought they were gonna pull a, uh, uh, oh, what's what's oh from a, oh, what is it? Uh, from Dumb and Dumber when they just like twist the head of the bird oh. or something. <laughs> like I thought they were gonna do that because they. Marvel's the not gonna do that. <laughs> And it's just like his head fell off, and <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, I thought they were gonna go that route. But I'm like, yeah, what what's the deal with this stupid bird? Like, why did you need this? Is that just supposed to be like a weird character? Like, I, yeah, I, but I then don't think... he loves the bird, so I don't know. So, because then I thought there's something about the bird, and I thought it was gonna be something along like the lines of uh, like the canary for like a miners. Like, I thought the bird was going to you know die and he it was like a warning that something was happening or something or like if he was like fucking around with his equipment and the bird died that that would be like okay like something bad's happening i need to like turn it back like i thought it was going to be something like that but it goes absolutely nowhere so um and let's just let's just fast forward to the uh the the expo cuz i don't think anything else happens outside of just the one thing i want to point out is um when tony was working on um you know creating this new element colson comes downstairs you know and he was like oh where the hell have you been i heard you you know the perimeter was breached and he was like yeah i went out and i came back that was like three days ago where were you and we get the little line drop of oh you know reassignment i'm going to new mexico which we'll get payoff for later um but we also get 
you know, Colson's kind of in the lab downstairs and picks up the prototype shield and is like, where'd you get this? And, you know, as you'll find out eventually, Colson is like a fanboy of Captain America. So like (laughs) this shield, like really means something to him. And Tony's like, oh, that like, yeah, that actually is perfect. I need that right now. And he just like, Coulson's this mega fanboy of Captain America and Tony just uses the shield to prop up some tubing. To level it. Was, it. Yeah, he's yeah. Like, oh, perfect, perfect. <laughs> but this was um like how I was kind of telling you last time, they left, Favreau left the shield in there as like a little payoff for some of the fans to see if you noticed it. And then I was reading, you know, in that same article, it went on to say, like, yeah, in the second movie, we really ramped it up and literally held it in front of your face to see if <laughs> anyone else could catch on to it. And, of course, oh, everyone did at that well, point. Yeah, time. and the next movie, the follow, would be, you know, Captain America, the first Avenger. So it makes sense. It's kind of like, oh, hey, guys, like, this isn't on, this is on Look purpose now. Coming, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, now we'll get to the expo, this this big moment. And, and I love how confident – hammer Hammer walks out like doing his running man out yeah that that scene was a lot and like the michael jackson yeah it's like he's so cocky uh, sam rockwell really just hammed it up and did what he had to do like in those scenes yeah and you know the the reveal of all the the armor you know the marines the air force the navy the army and and then you know we get the essentially war machine uh reveal with Don Cheadle in uh, Rhodes inside of it, and they do their salute, and then, uh, you know, Iron Man, he or Tony, he he st- he flies on in, and the the crowd goes buck wild, which I thought was interesting and a little weird, but he I guess because it's like oh Tony's here with all these Iron Man suits, and it was a surprise, and they're having that back and forth of like I'm here to help, like you you got to trust me for five minutes. Uh, where is uh, where is Ivan? Because Ivan contacted him and said, essentially, like shit's gonna go down. Get ready, mm-hmm. and and this is when Ivan is he's like hacking the mainframe back at wherever the the con- like not the compound but wherever the laboratory is. Which... And, and and they allude to it earlier where he like immediately hacks into the Iron Man suits when he's first introduced to them. He's like, oh, your 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 software uh, shit. Yeah, yeah, your software is shit. And and they didn't even bother to updated at all which again goes into that hammer is an idiot and uh, and so they immediately start to try and take out iron man and this is when i like again i just think i wish marvel had some not balls but just you know do something like kill civilians because they were you know they weren't pulling their punches in the last two movies with no well, i guess I, here with with iron man and captain but with the first iron man you know people were dying it right. felt like people were in actual danger for the most part i mean maybe not the suburban mom in her in her audi but uh when they lift that shit up and throw oh, yeah but but for the most part i felt like you know people could die in this universe but then here well the only people we saw die and it was like somewhat horrifically too like Ivan just had dudes hanging by their throats in his, those two dudes were hanging by their throats, like just bobbing back and forth dead in his like little quarantine chamber or whatever it is. And I'm like, wow, that's, you know, you could go far enough here to show that Ivan murdered these dudes in cold blood, but 
you can't have a, like an off screen or not an off screen, but just an explosion in a crowd where we know civilians just died. Yeah. Like collateral damage. Uh, and so, yeah. And, and, and I also think it's interesting how war machine like 2.0, I, I don't understand how he was hacked because he wasn't worked on by Ivan he, I mean, the weapons, but weapons are weapons. They, weapons they're not yeah. like computer weapons. So I'm like, well, how did he hack into, like, the Mach 2 was Tony's design. So how did Ivan hack into War Machine? War, right. You know, yeah, I, don't, I, guess... like, I don't understand that. Because it, not at all did Ivan work on that machine. He didn't put the software in there. They just put weapons in there. They didn't put, like, uh, any software. From what I understood, they didn't put any software from hammer in there what i think happened was in a scene when they first presented the iron or the um war machine armor to um hammer right before that uh Rhodes took the arc reactor out and put it in a bag so i think Hmm. whatever ivan had to do also had to be come up with a power source for it so I guess okay. that's how you could draw that connection, because um, I I I think Rhodes at least had the wherewithal to keep the reactor tech out of their hands, and I mean, but at this point Ivan had his own version of the reactor, so it didn't matter that much. But I guess that would be his backdoor into the software. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I, and and that was just something that I picked up on, but I did enjoy this last uh, sequence or like this, this last big like explosions and fights and how, you know, there is that back and forth where Rhodes is inside the suit, but he can't control it. So he's trying to give heads up to Tony of like, okay, this is where I am. This is what the suit's doing. These are what these guys are doing. Just giving you heads up like yeah, a man on I the really inside. I enjoyed that. And also, you know, during this whole sequence, we get this one scene where, there's a little kid in an Iron Man mask as like the uh, hammer drones come like charging outside. And this little kid puts up his hand, like the, the pulsar gauntlet to, you know, blast the, um, like the hammer droids and Tony as Iron Man flies in right behind him, blasts the droid and goes, nice shot kid. And then zooms away, saving the kid. And it has much later been confirmed that that little kid in the Iron Man mask with the, you know, the cloth gauntlet on was Peter Parker. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It, Wait, is that confirmed in the movies or is that just like a... It's not yeah. confirmed in the movies. Like, you're, you're not going to get a scene where, you know, Peter is like, yeah, I was at your expo in 20-whatever. But off screen, they've confirmed and said, yep, that was a, a little Peter Parker. Oh, that's cool. I, th- I like that detail. That's a really, yes. because then that further, like, again, just like a little bit of like the knowledge that I have, just like it, the relationship that Peter and Tony have, like, that's interesting. Like, that's like yes. the first, you know, spark that they have, you know, that's, that's interesting. I really, that's a they really neat detail. Um, and then, you know, going back to Hammer and this whole thing, he's just like, you know, you like Pepper and uh, Black Widow come in, and and he says, you know what, D- go away. I have this under control. It's oak. It's fine. And, and then he's like, get, get these bitches out of here. And then she just like slams his face into the computer, and says like, where is he? Where like who's behind this? So Ivan, and you know 
Pepper steps up and says, okay, th- tell me everything you know, and we're going to fix this right now. And this is when we get the chase again with Happy and Black Widow, uh, you know, rushing to the Tanner's facility. Yeah, the yeah. facility. But we get that weird moment when she's changing in the backseat of the car and Happy's like being a fucking perv and trying to look <laughs> at her. And then he almost crashes the car. Uh, it was, Even though he could, you know, wrestle with a suitcase and drive in the opposite direction on, uh, um, you know, down a racetrack with race cars flying at him and not crash, he can't, you know, Google Scarlett Johansson and drive at the same time. Yeah, it's like keep your eyes on the road. I am, <laughs> you know, like that. <laughs> that was funny, but it was just so weird. Like he was like, he was like, oh my god, that's he's just like. He was looking in the rearview mirror, even like almost craning his neck to like yeah, get a better view. Get a better view. <laughs> and uh, and so we get in there, and I do like the fight that she has with all the guards, and and uh, and how happy he's like. I'm, I'm going in there, like I'm. I can't let you go in there alone. It's a typical like like that macho man, like you know, you're a woman, like you. you I got to defend you, and he goes in there, and he takes the first guy. And they and they set up that he can box, so at least like it doesn't come out of nowhere that he's fighting this guy, but he's you know struggling fighting this guy while she's just crushing everyone, zooming through these dudes, yeah. And I knew the moment was gonna come when he beats, he finishes the guy. He's like, I I got, I got him. him, and, and, and it literally a happens. Of dead bodies, yeah. Uh, or, or beat down bodies, how whatever you wanna you know. Yeah, just classify yeah, the, them. Yeah, even the dude who was like hanging by his the throat still like had a hand under, and he was just like, "Oh shit, I can't Kicking get out his of this. legs." Yeah, and I really did. I thought it was funny. Like th- that got a good laugh out of me. Was when the la- like Black Widow just destroys all these guys, and then she just casually maces the last guy, and he's just like, <laughs> "Ah, my eyes," <laughs> you know. So I I really I I thought that was uh really funny as well yeah and i think this this worked well for i mean i don't know how you feel about it but just happy staying in his lane like he didn't have that big of a role he just had to fight this one dude and give us a tiny bit of comic relief at the end and that i I think that worked yeah no it did it definitely did and then you know scarlett johansson gets in there and she uh gives uh rhodes back control of the machine as they're, you know, as the, like, they're the last, like, they're fighting in this, like, Japanese, like, uh, like, garden, like, synthetic garden, and, you know, I, this is another thing I really like, this, like, strategic planning dialogue banter back and forth, was like, it's like, okay, right up there, that's the strategic point, uh, the big gun should go up there, and they both start walking, walking. he's like, like, you have a big gun, that doesn't mean you're the big gun, he's like, well, it's called being a badass, man, he's like, okay, well, I'll just stay here, he's like, no, this is, this is, like, the bad, like, I forgot how, this is the kill box, the kill box, you don't want to be last place you want to be, and then, and then the guy, and then the, uh, the hammer droids come in, and they just rinse through these guys, like, it's no one's business, and I (laughs) think, and it works here, because, it further emphasizes just how trash Hammer stuff is. He's, a, I have my notes, he's a trash boy. Like he just, <laughs> his, his stuff is just garbage. And they just, they rinse through these machines. Even though the software is Ivan's and it's like superior, I, the, the, the material is just garbage. And it, and they just, it's destroyed so easily. Yes. And this is, and you know, that's when we get the the line from um, Black Widow of, 
you know, something else is coming in. It's got a different signature, like heads up. And we get the big bad, bad guy reveal of Ivan made his own suit with new whips and he's ready to kind of finally settle the score with Tony. Yeah. And the one of, uh, can I do it? Jump yeah, into you, it with yeah, the hammer this is, tech. This is exactly yeah, what you this wanted. Is what this I is wanted. All you. you know, we get that whole pomp and circumstance earlier with uh, uh, not Ivan, Justin, like showing off all his cool tech and or all of his cool weapons and everything. You know, the the ex-wife put it all in the suit, and uh, Rhodes goes like, "That I, I got this. I got this." Like I'm gonna hit him with uh, the bunker buster, and like it charges up on his shoulder, spins up, fires right at him ping off the armor hits the ground fizzles out and all tony goes is <laughs> hammer tech and roses yeah so i just love that we had that you know payoff right at the end is this whole the coup de gras of like justin hammer doing his sleazy sales pitch to find out where it ends up in the water and it fizzles out like a like <laughs> it's like it's like the um I think it's in Napoleon Dynamite when they just are, I forget, or I'm forgetting. It's one of those types of movies where they're like, oh, we got a firecracker. Let's send this, let's, or we got a firework. Let's send this bad boy off. Or, oh no, it's Hot Rod. We're like, oh yeah, we got fireworks. We're going to send these bad boys off. And it's like, it's like that. It's like, and, and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> but it's like, so it's funny. It works in the moment. And then this is, you know, they're, they're fighting him and then, but he's got them by the net, like literally the next and he's like, hey, man, I need a sidekick. Put your hand out. I was like, you sure you want to do that? And they dispatch of Ivan. And I I have to admit, I feel like it was a little bit anticlimactic with. That's exactly what I wrote. I was like, this final battle, I guess we're supposed to rely on the fact that we had this big whole flying chase scene um, to get us through this point. But yeah, it's Ivan's there one minute, he's got the upper hand and then boom, he's gone. And that's it. It, it was, it was exactly as you said it. I even wrote like Ivan final battle, dot, 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 not very satisfying. And, and one thing I want to say before, like the next bit, uh, is, you know, so the, the NYPD come in and rest hammer and he turns the pepper and said, Oh, you're trying to pin this on me. And then he has this whole thing of like, oh, that's a real CEO move. Like, yeah, I'll, you won't see the last of me. And I was like, wait, what do you mean you're trying to pin this on you? Like, you're the bad guy. You broke a dude out of prison. <laughs> you're responsible for the deaths of like at least like 10 people from the breakout alone. And then there's like all this massive damage and shit. Like you were harboring a, 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 a fugitive. A, a fugitive. Yeah, yeah, no fucking shit. You're the bad guy. So it's so weird that he went that tact of, oh, well, yeah, you're being real conniving, Pepper. I'm proud of you. Like what? So that was just a little well, thing I wanted to say about and that. I also wanted to put out, you know, jumping before we kind of keep wrapping up. But um, I-, I wanted to just point out the fact that you know, uh, War Machine's flying around and he's shooting bullets at everything. You know, it's bullets coming out of his armor. I think it's a really interesting choice that Marvel made that Iron Man doesn't fire bullets. He just fires like energy blasts. Um, I don't know exactly why I'm intrigued by that, but I just, I think it's interesting. that it's- it ca- Yeah. It kind of reminds me that, that line from star Wars when um, it's like, Oh, such a, uh, a, uh, a, a primitive weapon. 
as like a blaster and like and, and to me you know guns are so primitive and uninspired that tony's like i don't need guns i could dispatch of people with you know energy blasts or you know using science you know like mm-hmm. to him guns are so beneath him and i yeah i think that is a very interesting like writing character and essentially he's like i'm never gonna go in that suit again so do whatever you want with it i'm not gonna use it though you know yeah and and so then we get the next moment where i like ivan's last like all you lose and there's uh explosive devices in all the remaining robots and he sets them off and uh tony uh, goes and rescues uh pepper Mm -hmm. and they get on top of this this uh this big building overwatching it all and they finally did this is the first kiss i don't remember if they did in the last movie i know they had that like sexually charged dance but (laughs) it's a great way to put it um yeah, I think this is the first kiss. I don't think they kiss in the first movie because the first movie ends with uh, throws out note cards. I am Iron Man. So, you know, if there was going to be a, a kiss, it would have been there or, you know, you'd figure towards the end of the movie, but it wasn't. So, yeah, this is I guess we get that budding romance payoff here. I feel like this probably would have been better in the third movie. You know, just keep teasing it and teasing it until oh, Mike the third movie that's a whole other story <laughs> well we'll get there eventually yeah. but uh, and then after they kiss uh you know we get that little that fo- the the little you know comedic banter of you know get a roof guys you know yeah like you fall oh, man you finally kissed it's like oh my car got destroyed in the in the explosion i'm gonna borrow this for a little while right and uh, i'm trying to i'm trying to remember this isn't the last scene what is the last scene of this movie? Because uh, I just kind I just have my final note after I have now they kiss, and then my final note is movie just sort of ends. Yeah, I I is this the last scene? Oh no, this? it's it's when uh, Nick Fury informs Stark that he's only going to be right. Uh, okay. Yes, because I afford me. I have the Avengers Initiative teased again, written down here, and we got a much more thorough teasing of the avengers initiative but i couldn't remember if that was the end credit scene or if that was you know before the end credits and now that i'm we're talking about it i know what the end credit scene was and yeah we we get this little banter with nick and tony and you know going on about iron man great recruit for the avenger initiative tony stark uh not a good recruit because of x y and z which we have you know his little funny dialogue where it's like classic narcissist where he's like trying to debunk all of um black widow's like character traits and it's like textbook narcissism he goes all right no argument there and (laughs) keeps going on yeah and and then you know that like i said that line of oh well you can't afford me and and then well and then we get the he says well i do need a favor if you're not going to use me i we're being pinned as heroes and i need we we need a presenter and they end up getting the senator who was being like a dick throughout the whole movie right. to okay him. yep that's how this ended I and he ends up like he ends up uh like pricking uh tony when he gives him his his medal was like oh you see what like how much of a how like, annoying a little, a little prick. prick could be yeah yeah and i wish tony said something like 
essentially along the lines of just like oh no please tell me about what it's like having a little prick like you know what i mean like i wish he had that one more like that last moment like he did in iron man where it's just like that final like to like not like a final fuck you to whoever is like doubting him or, or being like a dick to him you know mm-hmm. but uh, but and like i said the movie just sort of ends like this the, like last movie we ended with iron man black sabbath and now we end with highway to hell oh okay okay yeah. that was weird uh and that kind of concludes our movie but what about our post credit sequence jake yeah, we, we kind of get Coulson teased it for us like halfway or, you know, somewhere in the middle of the movie with, oh, I got a new assignment. I'm supposed to go to New Mexico. And that's basically why Tony was able to break his house arrest because Coulson was busy. And we get Coulson showing up in New Mexico to like what appears to be a, a meteor site. And as we kind of get a slow camera pan down into the the bottom of this crater we see you know at again at the time no clue what this was now obviously it's a very iconic symbol but we see our first glimpse of thor's hammer cut to black and we hear thunder uh playing in the background as the credits you know or i guess there's no credits after this but you know hear thunder cut to black that's it yeah and you know i i as in iron man one i did uh find out what this one was because I accidentally looked at this one and not Iron Man one, <laughs> but no, yeah, now it's getting me excited for Thor. I, I will say that. Cause now, cause this is one of those heroes that, that I feel like they're insinuating when they're, when Tony's like, well, I'm the best one. And they're like, no, you're not. And Thor is one of those guys that, cause he's a God. He is yes. a God. And Tony is a man. He's immortal. Well, yeah, and- he's on Thor's on the same level because we talked about Captain Marvel already. We'll, we'll we'll get into Thor much more thoroughly when we do the movie. But you know, in terms of power level, you know how I said Captain Marvel's kind of like a Superman level character in this, where it's just you know nothing can stop her. Thor's on that same playing field. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, I'm interested to see how I respond to that uh, and see how it's written. Uh, but And before we end up with our closing thoughts and recommendations, Jake, what is the Stanley cameo? Our Stanley cameo was it, – it's funny to see how they were done in, like, the early movies versus what we saw in the later movies. Like, we when we saw it in Captain Marvel – it was, you know, the whole movie stopped basically. And we had this upbeat music play as we get like a couple second shot of Stan's face. In this one, it's when you were saying before, Tony's kind of walking through his expo, shaking hands, kissing babies, that whole thing. Um, and we get this one thing where it's like, hey, hey, Larry. And Stan's standing there dressed up as Larry King. And it's like a quick like him turning and looking at Tony or we're looking through the eyes of Tony, him turning and looking at us and then turning back to doing whatever he's doing. And Tony's again on his way. Yeah. It's a blink and you miss it. Like Elon Musk cameo was way more noticeable than this. Yes. Which was interesting. Was this the cameo that you were talking about that I know earlier you, okay, no, No, this was one of them that I was talking about, but this isn't the one, the exact one I was thinking of. Okay, because I was definitely like, wow, that was really quick, especially how much of a big deal that they make these cameos. Yeah, um, well, I think that's, again, 
you know, these were the first couple movies, so it, they didn't really, they were still figuring out exactly how they want to do things. So tiny stand cameos were, I guess, what they thought, or I mean, I don't think it matters too much one way or another, but they were a little more subtle with them here than they ended up uh, later on. Mm-hmm. This one was kind of like the one, in my opinion, from like the first Spider-Man movie where a, a brick is falling and Stan moves a woman out of the way so she doesn't get crushed. And that's literally it. There's no, yeah. you know, zone in on it. It's just he's a guy on the street who yanked a woman out of the way and done. Yeah. It, this kind of reminds me of that where it's very he, subtle, yeah. very simple. He's like Margarita Man in Jurassic World. Like it's just, it's just there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, what I did want to also touch on was after Tony made the new element, the I don't know if you picked up on it, um, but the uh, reactor core on his chest armor went from being a circle to being a triangle. Yeah, I did notice that. And I remember when this movie first came out, I had a huge issue with that. I did not like it at all. Um, just for aesthetic purposes. And then as I kind of got more into the lore, um, you know, the original, the OG Iron Man armor, Circle. So I'm glad the first movie kind of stuck to the circle. Then they switched to the triangle, and I kind of got more into the lore, and I was like, oh, eventually he has a triangle when he develops newer and better armor. So I guess this is a nod to that. But it was just one of those contentious points that, make sure you pay attention to how that evolves as we go, Mike, um, just so you could see the ebbs and flows of it. But it was one of those things that I hated when it first happened. And now I'm cool with it just as I've learned okay. and grown. It's interesting. Cause I just, you hated it. I didn't really give a shit. <laughs> I was so mad. I was but, uh, like, why the hell does he have a try? I, I remember being mad about it of like, well, the circle is dope. Why does he have a triangle now? And <laughs> it, it was I, it, a nitpicky thing. And, you know, Marvel fans could be nitpicky about it. I understand it a lot more now, so I don't have a problem with it. Well, no, you're talking to the king of nitpicks, so you don't have to ever <laughs> apologize for like something like that. Um, but that concludes Iron Man 2. So, um, Jake, why don't uh you why don't you go first for your closing thoughts and recommendation? Sure thing. Um I, I kind of look at this like movie through three lenses all of a sudden, just because um it's you know, it's ten years old. Um my first interaction with it, how I felt about it, how it relates to everything kind of midway through my journal journey of this Marvel Cinematic Universe, and then nowadays. 2010, I'm sure, would have gotten the highest rating out of me because I had nothing to compare it against, and it was just a cool superhero movie for a, what are you, like 15, 16 years old, sophomore year in high school? So it was just a cool superhero movie. Midway through, and kind of I've carried that midway through ideology for a long time of like mm, the Iron Man franchise, if you were to pull it out of this universe and just look at it as a trilogy, you know, went downhill. Um, So this was kind of that, in my opinion, start of this, just these three, this trilogy taking its quote unquote nosedive. I don't think it was a complete nosedive, but that's the best way to put it right now. And then how I'm going to look at it now, which is more so how it relates to this whole umbrella universe and connects to everything 
So I think 2010, you were going to get the best score out of me. Midway through, you were going to get the worst score out of me. And right now, you're going to get somewhere in the middle. Um, I'm kind of between ranking this movie as like, uh, no, I could honestly say I'm giving it like a seven and three quarters, a 7.75. Um, not one of my favorites, but still Iron Man is one of my favorite characters. So he definitely has a lot of, I get, I give him a lot of love for that. And of course, just seeing his full journey, um, makes me go back to movies like this and appreciate it a little more. There's definitely some holes in this movie that I think were patched with like very convenient things, um, which, you know, you got to be willing to look past that to um, be okay with it. And sometimes I can, sometimes I can't. In terms of, you know, how immersed I was in this movie, um, definitely not as immersing as the the first one was even I was a little bit more immersed in Captain America and Captain Marvel I think not to say that I disliked this movie I would recommend it and of course it's a necessity to anyone who wants to you know take this journey um but it, it's not it's not in my top 10 um that being said I of course enjoyed it um and I would you know I'd be happy to watch it again I'm happy I've seen it after not seeing it for such a long time I know I caught you know a middle portion of it on TV the other day or oh, sorry maybe about a month ago and I was like hmm Iron Man 2 I haven't seen this in a while I would like to get back into it um but yeah that being said I think 775 is where I'm gonna leave it and uh it's obviously you have to watch it and I'd recommend watching it to anyone yeah well uh, well said man and I I definitely, I, like I said earlier, this is definitely a good like uh, palate cleanser after watching uh, Captain Marvel and and how long we talked about that movie, like two and a half hours, something like that, and that was just a lot of frustration. And here, <laughs> it it wasn't like I wasn't really frustrated at all. I feel like it's just a missed opportunity for really expanding the character what they did in the first iron man like i said in the beginning i feel like sequels have not that obligation but if they want to be elevated they should you know elevate their story or take components of their story and explore the depths of it and i feel like they had nuggets here and there but you know it's a lot of wasted potential i think the villain i feel like another wasted potential was the villain i think mickey uh rourke would be a really uh great like a villain addition to this world but it's just it's just kind of lackluster in my Mm -hmm. opinion he's just not really it's not really he's not really given as much as uh I, i would like and i'm this is a side tangent i think I called Mickey Rourke Mickey Rooney a few times in this, yeah. and that was a mistake um, <laughs> because, yeah, that was a mistake. I'm going to feel like an idiot for that one. But Mickey Rourke – or Mickey, Mickey – oh, yeah. And no, you so, got it now. Yeah, I got – now I'm like questioning every word I say. There was a but, couple uh, of times in the early stages I'm like, oh, when when we get a quick second, I'm going to I'm gonna throw it out there like, hey, Mike, by the way. And then it totally just – I forgot about it. And until you said it again, I'm like, okay, when, when I get a second, let me tell him. And it just kept slipping. That's okay. If, if they, they, they understand what I'm saying. But uh, anyway, uh, I just felt like the villain was just not 
very as fleshed out as I would like. The motivations weren't as clear. Although I had that issue with the first Iron Man villain with Obadiah. So don't really want that to be, uh, hoping not it's a pattern with these movies. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's still very enjoyable. Uh, you know, I could nitpick it to hell, but I don't really feel like it. Those were like my big issues. Uh, I'm going to give this a 6.5 out of 10. Uh, still very enjoyable movie. Uh, you know, I, I'll probably return to this one because I think there's something to be wanting here and something to be had. Uh, and in my ranking as of now, it's it's going to be Iron Man, uh, Captain America, First Avenger, Iron Man 2, and Captain Marvel at the way, way bottom. And <laughs> it's all, it's already at the bottom of the list. Uh, so it's it's it goes like 1, 2, 3, 20. Um, <laughs> It's just filling in the gaps there. From uh, here on out. Yeah. So, but that's the list as of right now. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely really enjoyed the movie. I would recommend it, uh, but I'm going to give it a 6.5 out of 10. Okay. So, and I think you brought up some nice points there. And I, I kind of mentioned it earlier. Uh, and it's, uh, I think we're going to see Marvel because these are, you know, their first shot at it with between one Iron Man, one Hulk and this this is their first shot at it i think you're going to be pleased with how they evolve their storytelling and i think also something that we're going to need to dive into once iron man 3 kicks is how they took a look at renegotiating obviously some of their storytelling across you know a trilogy and how they even tackle a trilogy in the first place so as much as i'm not fond of Iron Man 3. I think it's a really big springboard and I'm excited to pull from this movie and that movie to kind of get into bigger discussions. All right, yeah, perfect. And and I'm 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 still excited to keep going on. You know, Captain Marvel didn't take, you know, the wind out of my sails. Like I'm still ready to go and keep going forward because I know there are bigger and better things oh, I that I'm wait, excited Mike. for. I can't wait. Yeah, exactly. And so if that, if that concludes all of our thoughts, Jake, I'll, uh, I'll uh, close this out. I'm good to go. All right, perfect. So that, so with that, guys, that concludes this episode of Amateur All Tours. Thanks again for listening to another probably longer <laughs> in-depth discussion that some of these movies deserve but you know it's still fun doing it with one of my really good buddies and as always you can follow us on twitter at all tours pod email us with any questions comments or concerns at the original tours podcast at gmail.com and as always just please leave a uh, rating like review on whatever platform show you listen to on and with that we'll see you next time guys